You're listening to an Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. AGO Talks are recorded live in the gallery and feature artists, writers, and curators exploring how art shapes and inspires us. Please visit us online at ago.net slash talks. Good evening and welcome. If everybody could find a seat. My name is Gillian McIntyre and I coordinate the adult public programs and I am delighted to welcome you all here for the McCready Lecture. And the McCready Lecture is a biannual lecture given since 1991 in honour of Philip McCready who was a respected dealer in Canadian art. Support for the lecture comes from funds raised by McCready's friends after his death and the intention of the lecture is to explore new approaches to some aspect of Canadian art history. So, I would like to invite Georgiana Yuliaric, who is the uh, curatorial assistant in um, Canadian, so I'm stuttering tonight, it must be the rain, I haven't even been out in it, um, to introduce Philip Monk, who is tonight's MacReady lecturer. So, Georgiana. Good evening, and thank you very much for being here tonight for the McCready Lecture on Canadian Art. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Philip Monk, who we have invited to consider Marshall McLuhan and General Idea. His talk is entitled, Marshall McLuhan, General Idea, and Me, with the exclamation mark. It's very important. And as you will hear a lot about Marshall McLuhan and General Idea, I thought I would give you a little bit of background on the me, in this case, Philip. Philip began his career in 1977 as a critic and a freelance curator. Then he became a curator here at the Art Gallery of Ontario, then at the Power Plant, and since 2003 he has been director of the Art Gallery of York University, which is out there. Last week, Philip Monk was announced as this year's recipient of the Natitian Foundation Award for Curatorial Excellence in in Contemporary Art, and this is what the jury had to say. The history of the Toronto Arts community in particular is indelibly marked by his critical candor and dedicated curatorial work from the late 1970s on, having been the focus of many important group and solo exhibition of artists such as Michael Snow and Joyce Wheeland, Ian Carr-Harris, Robin Collier, Liz Magor, Shirley Wittesalo, General Idea, Fast Worms, Jennifer Marmon, and Daniel Borens, among many others. Widely recognized as one of the most prolific and articulate writers on contemporary art in Canada, Monk is also internationally respected for his vigorous and innovative curatorial transformation of the Art Gallery of York University, one of Canada's preeminent university-based galleries, into a particularly vibrant, acutely current, and challenging institutions. Philip has been implicated in the history of General Idea for many years now as a critic, as a curator, and as a writer. As you can imagine, it has been a complicated and ever-evolving history, and today is yet another chapter. Please welcome Philip Monk. Thank you, Georgiana, and uh, thank you for the invitation, and thanks uh, to the, uh, the Archive of Ontario for inviting me to deliver the McCready Lecture on Canadian Art. 
the, the invitation tells me one thing, that contemporary eventually becomes historical. I'm wondering whether uh, anyone in the audience was at my 1982 lecture on general idea at the Rivoli. Okay. Uh, one of my two infamous lectures. Um, not, oh, this is not the second infamous lecture on general idea. Um, far from it. Oops. Uh, I'm honored to follow uh, John Ralston Saul, who spoke last in this, in this series, um, speaking importantly of Canada as a Métis civilization. I'm not about to go him one better tonight talking about the queering of Canada, or of Toronto, or of the Toronto art community. No, no, no. Tonight I'm talking about Marshall McLuhan, General Idea, and me. Sorry, so a couple of my slides are washed out, especially the ones I stole from the monitor upstairs outside the General Idea exhibition. Um, I, um, I was not involved in curating the uh, 1984 retrospective, but I did install it my first installation at the uh, AGO in the early 1985, where this photograph was taken. I don't know whether all the smiles are washed out, but everyone is smiling, contrary to this photograph on the podium during the opening. I think they were happier with me. Um, but at the same time, I wonder, that vacant chair, I hope I'm not the one at the podium speaking with uh, these gazes circulating towards the ceiling, but no, I believe that must be Fred Eden. I'm obviously cropped out of the photograph beside Felix and probably with my eyes rolling as well. What was it? What was it about Winnipeg? Because is this not the initial connection between Marshall McLuhan, General Idea, and me? Some 43 years ago, uh, when I bought this pocketbook edition of Understanding Media, attended architecture school in the wake of Michael Timms, soon to become A. Bronson, and saw an exhibition of Ron Gabe's hand paintings in some, um, soon to become Felix Parts, in some loft in downtown Winnipeg. What was it? Because the McLuhanistic outlook of the time seems so foreign to the insular surrealism that has dominated that city recently albeit in its rise to attention. However, this is not a talk about Winnipeg, but Toronto, and a question of the Toronto School, the Toronto School of Communications, that is, which included Harold Linnis, Eric Havelock, and Marshall McLuhan, and why not, general idea. Could these original bad boys of Canadian art ever belong to a school? even a night school, the title of one of their 1989 exhibitions. Not that I'm trying to get my foot in the door of such an elite institution as the Toronto School by tagging along in the lecture's title. Of course, by me, I mean everybody. There is some trace in mind, though, of Roland Barthes' initial title to his essay, Longtemps, Je me suis couché de bonne heure, which was Proust et moi, Proust and I, and baby makes four. Um, there is a, there is a, sorry, the, 
a menage a trois, well, sorry, but it's, uh, <laughs> this is a lecture about numbering, so I have to keep it straight. But instead of a homosexual coupling of two, my title is a menage a trois, or a menage a cinq. Menage a trois, you know, is a, a name of a 1978 journal idea exhibition and publication. There is a reason for maintaining three in my title, rather than two, Marshall McLuhan and general idea, or again, general idea and me. Two is the number of rivalry, or mimicry, which are one and the same. The number two ensures that we would talk here of influence, the influence of Marshall McLuhan on general idea. The number two would give us our marching orders, one, two, one, two, to traditionally conceive influence, marching straight ahead as unidirectional, which is often the case only of a mechanical matching, as McLuhan would say, rather than the possibility of the reverse, a posthumous querying of McLuhan, if that is at all possible. And probably not. On the other hand, and by saying, on the other hand, that is, by saying, on the other hand, we are already caught within the binary logic of handedness, one, two, left, right, the binding logic of either or. Nonetheless, on the other hand, the number three complicates matters. It dispels influence in undermining one of the mainstays of its concept, that of authorship that a collectively collective implicitly denies. Not that this passage from two to three is an overturning, which applies the same dualistic language when we are concerned instead with the flipping or oscillating back and forth of ambiguity as it operates in general ideas system. An ambiguity that is regulated instead by the contradictory logic of myth. General Idea materially realized this logic in the mirrored Venetian blinds of their 1973 prototype Luxon VB, as was exhibited at the Carmel Amana Gallery. The, the numbers two and three underlie everything that I say tonight. They rule it, since they since these numbers as well engender general ideas system. This is easy to remember, not easy to see. One, two, three. A numeric cosmology rules general ideas system. Repeat after me, class. One, two, three. A numeric cosmology rules general ideas system. Not the least concern in the passage from two to three is the anti-Oedipal nature of the transition which renounces the father figure. I'll leave this question of renunciation and paternity suspended, but it does touch upon, in the period between 1975 and 1977, what was abandoned in general ideas system by arguably turning away, however unconsciously or ironically, from McLuhan. The threesome, becoming three, had something to do with this. General Idea would have been the first to acknowledge the pervasive influence of Marshall McLuhan 
as for, when, for instance, when A. Bronson wrote in a text for the AGO's 1997 exhibition, The Search for the Spirit, as children of the summer of love and spectators of the Paris riots, we were well aware of the international situationists and the society of the spectacle on the one hand, and of Marshall McLuhan, drug culture, digger houses, underground papers, and free schools on the other. This is a complex awareness for a group that formed in 1969, but McLuhan, or the name McLuhan, could have been taken at the time to sum them all up. And for at least AA, we know that McLuhan was a hero of sorts. Turning to General Idea's work, one might think that it would make sense to examine McLuhan's influence on the artists through their media works, their brilliant television productions such as Pilot, Test Tube, or Shut the Fuck Up, made between 1977 and 1985. Meant to be broadcast on television, these videos tended to deal with the mechanics, not the medium itself. That is, when the artists were not directly talking back to the media, as in Shut the Fuck Up. The 1984 Miss General Idea pageant performances were already television, performed as if in television studios. They rehearsed both the performers and audiences in their staged cues. They were ceremonies meant to parody the art system's methods of elevation and evaluation as seen through or commented on by the format of the beauty pageant. In the end, they were all commentary commentary being the linguistic basis of much of General Idea's fabrications. Television was taken over as one other format to parody or plunder. Such nesting of context literalizes McLuhan's statement that, quote, the content of any medium is always another medium, unquote. Rather than a specific medium, the television medium, for instance. We need to discover the immersive environment within which General Idea's own system operated, but not necessarily as the visible, quote, anti-environments or counter-situations made by artists, unquote, as McLuhan called them, stressing the importance of artists in revealing the unconscious effects of new technology. When McLuhan wrote that, quote, environments are invisible, their ground rules, pervasive structure, and overall patterns e evade easy perception, unquote. We might apply these comments word for word to general ideas system itself, which likewise was invisible. Their system was the medium with, within which their work functioned. Then again, we might look to file magazine General Ideas Picture Magazine in the guise of Life Magazine, which began publishing in 1972, and find its source in Marshall McLuhan's Mechanical Bride, Folklore of Industrial Man, first published in 1951 and reissued in soft cover in 1967 to capitalize on his fame. Although by then, admittedly, the book was a bit dated. Yet, General idea always proved that the dated was fertile ground, indeed campground. They took it as a principle of their work. 
their retrospective futurity, creating an archaeology of the past images of the future, based itself on the same type of images McLuhan used. In the case, in their case, mainly drawn from a Fortune magazine from the 1940s and 1950s. Except these images were contemporary to McLuhan and retro for general idea. Perhaps McLuhan gave general idea license to proceed with their own parody of the media in file, turning the media's devices against them, much in the way McLuhan had done later when he stylistically adopted advertising lingo and techniques in his popular editions, The Medium is the Massage, and War and Peace in the Global Village from 67 and 68, just prior to General Idea's formation. By the way, File published from a Canadian point of view, which is its own special kind of irony, we all know. It's important to remember that at a high point in Canadian nationalism, General Idea were nationalists too, in spite of their international outlook. Another McLuhanistic trait, perhaps. Yet McLuhan had an advantage, sorry, yet uh, General Idea had an advantage over McLuhan in that their criticism was parasitical, not seemingly objective. It was produced from artistic, not an academic point of view. It took place as an artwork, mimicking the myth-making processes of advertising or popular culture, but at a higher semiotic level. They criticized performatively their operations taking place within the mechanisms they put on display. As Roland Barthes wrote in Myth Today, an essay extremely influential on general idea around 1974 to 75, yet only offering a more sophisticated and analytical language for what was already in their work, quote, it thus appears that it's extremely difficult to vanquish myth from the inside. For the very effort one makes in order to escape its stranglehold becomes, in its turn, the prey of myth. Truth to tell, the best weapon against myth is perhaps to mythify it in turn and to produce an artificial myth. And this reconstituted myth will, in fact, be a mythology. Since myth robs language of something, why not rob myth? All that is needed is to use it as the departure point for a third semiological chain to take its signification as the first term of a second myth, unquote. The latter proceeded from Barth's observation of myth as a second-order semiological system, parasitical on a prior sign. General idea's glamour myth was a third-order semiological system, parasitical on a second-order myth that it, in turn, cannibalized. While myth naturalizes, hiding its ideological construction, glamour does the opposite. It artificializes. It's hard to imagine how an artificial myth can be produced except as an artwork, especially an artwork about artifice. Imagine Miss General Idea's shoes as a model of this artificiality. They raise the participant into an unnatural, hence culture position, in which walking is rendered difficult. (laughs) 
not limited in their media analysis to McLuhan. General idea were incredibly syncretic in amalgamating various influences within their fictional system. And being mediumistic, these influences extended as well to the Kabbalah and Madame Blavatsky. In the real world, Guy Debord's Society of the Spectacle and Roland Barthes' Mythologies were equally important as McLuhan, not to mention the wild card of William Burroughs' provocative media speculations, which were more about radical media intervention, breaking viral mind control than comfortable academic or ideological analyses of content. After outlining the mix of late 60s influences cited earlier, A. Bronson went on to say, quote, now we turn to the queer outsider methods of William Burroughs, for example, whose invented universe of sex-mad, body-snatcher, espionage archetypes provided the ironic myth-making model we required, unquote. Burroughs offered models, methods, and lingo even to the advice to simulate a news magazine, as here in his early 1960s novel, Nova Express. We need a peg to hang it on, he said, something really ugly like a virus. Not for nothing do they come from a land without mirrors. So he takes over this news magazine. Now, he said, all by God, show them how ugly the ugly American can be. And he breaks out all the ugliest pictures in the image bank and puts it out on the subliminal so that one crisis piles up on another right on schedule. When you look at the ideas in this short dialogue, virus the subliminal inhabitation of media, i.e. taking over a news magazine, mirrors, although the, although the pervasive influence of Robert Smithson should also be marked here, an image bank, you realize how influential Burroughs was, not to mention his concept of the cut-up, not just to general idea, but the whole correspondence network of male artists. But to keep our sight on McLuhan, Consider this 1973 general idea reference to McLuhan's The Medium is the Massage. Oops. Um, right. Concerning the mechanics of vision, it is necessary to see that a shift in realities is simply shifting seeing. It is necessary to realize the levels of vision, the split between naturalized and culturalized information, and the manner in which culturalized information may become ritualized as natural information to the point where it may, in turn, be absorbed by the cultural processes as raw material for further processing. The famous medium is the massage is simply this, media inversion and the raising of vision to additive levels and complexity. Shifting seeing as shifting focus in order to look at the ways of seeing actually was more about the mapping of word lines, word lines on sight lines, a technique whereby the artist directed, or rather controlled our vision. 
both McLuhan's media inversion, the embedding of previous media as content of a new medium, and Barth's second-order semiological system could be seen to be the models here for how cultural information is ritualized. Roland Barthes coming after the fact, though, after this uh, quotation. Uh, models here for how cultural information is ritualized as if it was natural, and then taken to additive levels of parodic complexity by our artists. Yet the very mention of the nature-culture division should cue us to Claude Lévi-Strauss, whose writings on structural anthropology, strongly influential on early general idea, also uncover the same mechanisms. Under the influence of Lévi-Strauss, general idea saw themselves as anthropologists of contemporary myth. In fact, before the influence of Barth's mythologies, Lévi-Strauss's was general idea's model of myth. You're beginning to see that McLuhan was only part of the mythic mix, a submersive mix, one might add. So that while I agreed to give a lecture tonight on Marshall McLuhan and general idea, I don't want to bore you with the traditional tracking down of influences, which makes no sense in a body of work like this, but rather look at the relationship between McLuhan and general idea in a more diffused way. For instance, listen to McLuhan's pronouncement from his 1968 book, Through the Vanishing Point. Perhaps the mere speed-up of human events and the resulting increase of interfaces among men and institutions ensure a multitude of innovations that upset all existing arrangements, whatever. Maybe I should repeat that. Perhaps the mere speed-up of human events and the resulting increase of interfaces among men and institutions ensure a multitude of innovations that upset all existing arrangements, whatever. Increasing interfaces upsetting all existing arrangements perfectly describes the ethos and methodology of General Idea's early work, which was a radical collage aesthetic, but which owed as much or more to William Burroughs, as I have said, as it did to Marshall McLuhan and which was shared amongst the short-lived correspondence art movement, and moreover, and significantly, which set up the long-term systematic framework within which General Idea's work developed, the pageant and the pavilion, which was a system of myth. In light of McLuhan's quotation above, consider this description from General Idea's May 1973 article, Pablum for the Pablometer. Eaters. When a junkie, when any junkie, when we art junkies got to get our fix, we got to make a connection. We got to get a fix. We need our correspondences. The logic of myth is the logic of connections, image making room for words, naming of parts, sensing the network working plugged into the subliminal. The key to this logic is the borderline situation, the neither one nor the other, camouflaged indifference, mirror, mirror on the wall, flip-flop, lip-flop. The logic of myth is the moving territory of words, 
cut word lines, shift linguals. The logic of myth is a sense of image upon image. Image overdose, the network causality affair with ideas reigning in the corner. Image trouble is no trouble at all. Image overdose, and suddenly, snap, you're out there, broken through the borderline, floating on the dead edge of nowhere, with images diving in all directions. A sky full of claws and feathers. Then there is jumbled jargon, lip flap, loose vowels, cut word lines, shift linguals. As crazy as this sounds, in its increasing interfaces upsetting all ex existing relationships, all general idea is here, even if we don't recognize their main themes. For after all, we believe that as architecture, general ideas is a stable system. But theirs was a system in motion that was only temporarily stable, or was only an illusion of stability based on alternatives. In this article, seeing art as a system of signs in motion, as an archive and indicator and stabilizer of culture, as a means of creating fetish objects as a residence for the field of imagery defining a culture. Seeing all this and more, in many ways we have become aware of the necessity of developing methods of generating, realizing, stabilizing alternate myths, alternate lifestyles. Taking seriously General Idea's early writing would allow us to shake up our understanding of their work, upsetting all existing interpretive arrangements. What are the implications of a system of signs in motion for interpreting and exhibiting a body of, of artworks, especially in retrospectives, as here at the AGO? The problem with interpreting general ideas work is that we take the artists at their word. And at the same time, we don't take them at their word. Their work was not just one big joke. It was a coherent system. Moreover, it was a coherent system that can, that can be examined analytically with the period's interpretive tools. Claude Levi-Strauss's structural anthropology, Roland Barthes' semiotics, Marshall McLuhan's media theory, amongst others. General Idea's work appeared as artworks, that is to say, visually. But its mode of appearing, or its event of appearing, one might say, was performative. It came into being through a language act. The pavilion was erected through language. It did not exist otherwise. The system put the pavilion in place, that is, erected, and kept it standing, that is, operating. As it was in their work, so it should be in our analyses, a priority given to language, in our case, the close examination of their writing. Seventeen years after the end of general idea, the systematic nature of their work has still to be addressed. This is a difficult task because the system 
in work that was all about presentation does not show itself. In other words, in work that was all about articulation, the system could not articulate itself. But it was there nonetheless in the telling, as the telling. While thus not appearing, nonetheless this total system regulates all the operations of general ideas enterprise. And, as in any system, all these operations are linked. Because the subject of my book, you might know I'm writing a book on general ideas system, is not the subject of my lecture, because we'd be here for days, because it's endless, and I cannot, and I cannot finish it for that reason, as myth is endless, you'll have to take my word for now that the system's ruling term Glamour is a concept whose operations are achieved through the application of techniques produced by strategies and insinuated by tactics. The system's ruling term glamour is a concept whose operations are achieved through the applications of techniques produced by strategies and insinuated by techniques, sorry, tactics. Although there might be a number of subcategories for each, there was only one concept, glamour. One operation, reversibility. One technique, cut up. One strategy, theft. One tactic, camouflage. Uh, so as a substitute for that long discussion, um, I'm going to just take the shorthand route and show you a structuralist diagram of, of glamour's operations which explains the commutable system of reversibility of general ideas work. And I believe that everything in general ideas is expressed in this diagram. I, I have to say that uh, the book I'm writing on general idea from 1969 to 1978 is written as if it was written in the period and as if it's written by Roland Barthes Mover in English translation. And so, of course, it has to have all sorts of structuralist uh, diagrams that one finds in, uh, in Roland Barthes' work. This is just one of, of many, but I think it is interesting in that it does talk about the, the total system of, of their enterprise, of the, of the pageant and the pavilion, um, the elevation of glamour, um, the, de the de decrowning, our operations of reversibility, but the same operations of glamour. Glamour is both the elevation, but, uh, but glamour is also theft, which is the lateral, not a vertical motion of stealing in and stealing out, which is a reversible act. So everything is involved with this uh, reversibility of uh, glamour. Which is another collage process, of course, reversibility. I can assure you that I, that I did not know the degree of systematicity of uh, general ideas work when I started to write my book although its aim was to discover and formalize this system. Moreover, I did not really comprehend for a long time that it was also a system in motion, which I think is consequential for any interpretation of their work. So I want here briefly to uncover the early ground that instituted this system, the ground on which the pavilion later stood, which rather was an abgrund, as they say in German philosophy, an ungrounding of system at the same time. You see, the pavilion was built on a fault line, a fault line that was both spatial and temporal. A recurring problem uh, of critical interpretation is that we don't go far 
back enough in figuring out general idea, but tend to stop when the work was consolidated in the period between 1975 and 1977, when the pavilion and its destruction was most fully articulated. Articulated. General idea were architect advocates. Through their verbal advocacy, the pavilion was erected. They were also advocates of their own program. Their program was this advocacy, so why shouldn't we believe them? After all, they were persuasive. The pavilion was built by persuasion, as the artists both directed our view of it and thus our understanding of their artistic program. This is the story of general idea, they famously said in 1975. They told this story better than anyone else, and we have believed them. But we also know that behind every story, there is a backstory, even an underground story, or perhaps an ungrounding story. Even when they were telling stories about others, it was still about themselves. For instance, the uh, Pablum for the Pablometers article. Ostensibly, this was an article about Vancouver's image bank, which in the process was intended to describe the methodologies of the correspondence art movement. Without elaborating its complete thesis, which was about describing myth as a total system, what is important for our story here is the idea of, of alternatives, alternative myths, alternative lifestyles. But not only hippie alternatives, or the alternative myths that artists create through cannibalizing the detritus of uh, commercial capitalist culture. No, we are talking of the very concept of the alternative itself, the alternative in alternation with itself. What at about the same time in French philosophy was, began to be called a difference. That is, a perpetual alternation of ideas, words, and images. A cut-up methodology where everything was in constant motion and a perpetual crisis. Everything is permitted, was a Nietzschean slogan G.I. took from Burroughs. To return, to, to return by example to McLuhan, who wrote, quote, we actually live mythically and integrally, as it were, but we continue to think in the old, fragmented space and time patterns of the pre-electric age, quote, unquote. General ideas enterprise was a system of myth produced by the cut-up method. McLuhan's own method was collage-like, and his books were image banks of what's happening, as he said. McLuhan called the medium is the massage, quote, a kaleidoscope of interface situations, unquote, which is a perfect description of what general idea we're writing about. Even an academic book, such as Gutenberg Galaxy, McLuhan called a collage event, quote, thus the galaxy or constellation of events upon which the present study concentrates is itself a mosaic of perpetually interacting forms that have undergone kaleidoscopic transformation, unquote. What the whole correspondence art movement was all about 
image banks were individual myths, archives of like images obsessed upon by artists, which were solicited through the pages of file and submitted by, through the mail by fellow sublingual networkers to surface again sometimes in the same pages of file. Detached from their intended meaning or function within one context, they were perversely put into circulation in another. Belying their symbol of stability, that of a bank, image banks were systems of signs in motion composing varied cosmologies. Pablum continued, quote, Correspondences are the key to the mythical universe, the cosmology of moving bodies, images in collision, classification by jointing, unquote. As image banks not only file, but the 1984 misgeneral idea of pavilion itself were such precarious constructions. Perpetually changing, constantly colliding, collage conjunctions were events that brought together in continual cut-up different alignments of words and images. Different classifications by jointing led to ever new configurations. These were momentary events that were hardly visible, or at least visible only as the after images that offered the illusion of stability. Their conjunction was a vacillating borderline that was temporary. The borderline, really an interface, was a concept that General Idea shared with McLuhan, not surprisingly, given that McLuhan posited as part of the makeup of the Canadian persona, engendered vis-a-vis our relation to the United States, an ambiguous model signifying between the domains of politics and psychology as both the boundary between nations and a personality disorder, that is, a borderline personality, the borderline was a major operative concept for General Idea. In their September 1973 article, General Idea's Borderline Cases, the artist wrote, quote, Ambiguity is not a symptom of a schizophrenic who travels back and forth across the line, but a quality of the border dweller who performs in the stolen moments, unquote. Borderlines came into existence every time there was a mirror insertion or collage cut. In fact, mirror, cut up, and borderline were one and the same, silent and invisible, yet engendering the, the verbosity of myth. Quote, the vacuum created by your invisibility has got to be filled with words, unquote, read a complimentary article in the same issue. Unlike the pavilion or pageant, which were containers or formats, the borderline was an operative concept by which and on which the pavilion was erected through means of disguise and theft. The pavilion was built on this unstable fault. The pavilion was built on this unstable fault borderline. Sorry. I forgot to lead a word. The pavilion was built on this unstable borderline where the border dweller, general idea, performed in stolen moments. 
This article was its own case of cut-up correspondence of words and images. The borderline cases were 10 exercises, exercises in creating seeming symmetries between words and images, between one and the other, between word and image, though was the surreptitious insertion of a mirror. From the start, the mirror image, of course, always added up to two. Between one and the other, between the numbers one and two, were all the resources of mirroring, mimicry, and mockery, as language cliches were married to banal images. Here is a text from the second case called Imitation of Life Mimicry. It's only natural to, be, to try to be part of our vision, our culture, like chameleons at odds trying to be part of it all, like letting our one hand know what the other is about. When one body is imitating one body lying down, it's life imitating life. This act of bodies rubbing is merely a shadow of things to come. Was meeting face to face the mother invention of the looking glass? Was this proposal to end our singleness? There's safety in numbers, and two can have a mind of its own. Our two hands applauded the engagement and came out dueling. In the crack of dawn, a narcissus is blooming. All together now, one, two, one, two, one, two. Unquote. Yet the two, or the mirror image of two, did not mean equality or even actual symmetry. One brought forth the other, as if in a mirror, and in engendering it, gave it life, as simulacral as that life was, since it was only mimicry. Mimicry was viral, indeed a virus. The point of entry, the mirror act, was a viral replicating invasion. One preceded two, and that one was the word. That is, the word came first and did not merely caption an image after the fact. But it took off from its invasion, serially creating content in the process. Words, too, were mirrors. Each case was an application, the application of a method through the insertion of a mirror. It was purely artificial. There was no given place to insert a mirror, however, no guideline. The borderline did not pre-exist. The act of mirror insertion created the borderline situation. Only the mirror proceeded, as invisible as it was. As invisible as it was, it was an event, the instantiation of a case, an instance of now, a collage collision. It was the inaugurating act, the origin of all general ideas work. The great divide was words, they said. Words made images secondary. In fact, they doubled them. Words split images. Or the proliferation of words split images into mirror images of themselves. Here is case number three, self-conscious. Now that we've got our distance, we look back over our shoulders. Could this be our skin? Still waters reflect our eyes, reflecting still waters running deep. Let's keep this all on the surface. 
the surface of the silvered glass Narcissus. Could this be our connection? Score one for us and chalk it up to experience. Driving the wedge down deep through the center and splitting the images in halves. There is two of us to contend with now. Two heads are better than one, but it's really just one more mouth to feed on. Casting our image in the mirror reveal a cast of two, our very own dialogue to talk to ourselves. We're not the one we used to be. Splitting in half was only a beginning that had no end. Words, like mirrors, were viral. So in retrospect, when we, re when we read the statement from Files' first editorial, every image is a self-image, every image is a mirror, we must now presume that between every image, that is, between every self-same image, uh, is a borderline. This does not just make the image reflect itself, as if in a mirror, but is a physio of words, indeed of cutting remarks. Words were a method of invasion, even of the image. Identity, too, was viral. Identity, or role, was a mirror effect produced serially. One plus one plus one, which did not add up to three, however. Two was a precarious number. Two was a precarious couple, not really the pillars of social and familial stability we think. As in a tripod, a motif in their late 1970s work, Three was a stable number, as when the 1997 right-hand man showcard reads, the three of them are all each other's right-hand man, but they aren't taking any chances. If one was lost in the job, it would throw off the balance. They know that three's a crowd and a basic social unit, and they'd hate to be reduced to a couple, unquote. You know, general idea we're not always a threesome, the three men they became. A loose coalition at the beginning, general idea did not conceptually consolidate themselves into to a trio until 1975, when the first of their self-portraits began to appear, first as architects, then as their impersonations of babies, poodles, scholars, baby seals, etc. It washed out. Um, Is this fact significant? Yes, it is an intentional turn within their work, though not acknowledged. A crisis, you might say. And it pertains to the influence of McLuhan, which in 1975 ends, I would claim. And I'm drawing to my conclusion here. The threefold corporate stability could be argued as a turning away from McLuhan and the principles of the collage-based correspondence movement, the origins of the early work that subsisted throughout nonetheless, in having set up the ground of their system. The passage from two to three was a crisis indeed. Until this coup to the rule of three, the numbers one and two dominated in general ideas system, as I suggested by choosing the borderline cases cited earlier. Not even that many. The number one was above all. Miss General Idea was the number one above all. Two was only the effect of a mirror. 
engendered there as a simulacrum. But what an effect. Their whole system was sustained by it. But in 1975, henceforth, the number three began to rule General Ideas' work, and it would have room for no others. This number, a troika, was all about control, controlling our vision, or rather, constructing our vision in order to erect the pavilion through these sight lines and to elevate this general idea at the same time. General Ideas' corporate consolidation was consequential. Their fixed point of view, albeit established by a trio and not an individual, was a throwback. Paradoxically, it reinstituted the single-point perspectival system. Fixed relationships in pictorial space were no longer images in collision. Fixed relationships in pictorial space, McLuhan claimed, with his accompanying fragmented private point of view, were key to establishing the concept of individual identity during the print epoch and were at odds with a mythic vision brought about by today's electric implosion. The latter was the mythic universe of collage and correspondence, the cosmology of moving bodies, images in collision with its kaleidoscopic, McLuhanistic overtones that general idea, having earlier participated in, seemingly gave up. For example, here is one of General Idea's guiding statements produced in that mid-70s period that evokes their fixed point of view, accumulated, though, to excess. Over in that corner. The frame of reference is basically this, a framing device within which we inhabit the role of the general public, the audience, the media, Mirrors, mirroring, mirrors, expanding and contracting to the focal point of view, and including the lines of perspective bisecting the successive frames to the vanishing point. The general public, the audience, the media playing the part of the sounding board, the comprehensive framework outlining whatever meets their eye. That the triadic turn of 1975 re-established identity that is to say, authorship, even though of a collective nature, when the whole ethos of General Idea's early work was the flouting of copyright, is one of the anomalies of this intriguing body of work. But of course, it was then turned to ironic ends. This is no criticism on my part of the further development of General Idea's work, only a way of designating the end of McLuhan's influence and the conclusion of my lecture. Not only can we not judge, we cannot argue with a mythic system such as general ideas. To conclude, finally, as a corporation, general idea had become what McLuhan had first written about in 1951 in The Mechanical Bride, quote, ours is the first age in which many thousands of the best trained individual minds have made it a full-time business to get inside the collective public mind and in the process creating a folklore of industrial man, so much of which stems from the laboratory, the studio, and the advertising agencies. But amidst the diversity of our inventions and abstract techniques of production and distribution, there will be found a great degree of cohesion and unity. This consistency is not conscious in origin or effect, 
and seems to arise from a sort of collective dream, end quote. General idea were all three, a laboratory, a studio, and an advertising agency, and their collective dream was the 1984 Miss General Idea Pavilion. Thank you. Um, there is time for a question and answer period if anybody wants to ask me a question. Uh, there is a microphone that will be circulated, so if you could wait to ask your question with the microphone. Howdy, Philip, and thank you for that, uh, as usual, scintillating act of intellection. Um, I have two questions. Um, one would be, of course, I understand that this is your interpretation of general ideas system. Uh, would you say that, in your knowledge of their work, that some of their works or details of their works fell out of that system by accident, by uh, experiment, or by, uh, by chance? You, you want me to ask her the first question? Uh, yes, I mean, I think that uh, um, crisis is one of the uh, patterns that repeats through their work, and generally we're always able to uh, cope with crises. After all, the pavilion burned down. Um, the burning down, the destruction of the pavilion was, though, uh, predetermined by, by the system itself. Um, but uh, while the system seems to have continued throughout, I think there were different impulses towards it. So, for instance... The early system, the, the fragments of the the elements of the early system, like the ziggurat, for instance, is a is a fractal where the every part is reflected in the whole, the whole is reflected in every part. But when the pavilion burned down, then several years later, they started to become archaeologists rather than architects, and then that followed another sort of system, which was another uh, intervening crisis, which was the crisis of the art market and the rematerialization of the art object. So. I think there is a deviation of sorts, even though they continue to pile on new rooms. The pavilion system really didn't exist in the same way. They intentionally destroyed it. I mean, it was part of the intention of the work, but they turned their back on their earlier work very consciously around 1977 and 78. And then I'd say the other, the other aspect of the work which doesn't really fit in, and it's another crisis. I've written an article called Crises in Coping in General Idea. Ten crises in their work, some intentional, not uh, others not. 1986 was a crisis of their moving to New York, and they had to dumb it down for Americans. And they had they produced this sort of bread, this unbranded work of the uh, you know the cigarette packages, the macaroni paintings, which really sort of fell out of the system. They picked it up again, of course, with the Magnificent AIDS series of work, which was uh, back on track with the idea of the system, the viral system. Cool. Your second question. Thank you. Uh, the second question is uh, uh, to what extent you are wed to that Heideggerian idea of ground in, in order to understand their work? Uh, not at all. I just use that. Um, it was a throw-off term, ab abgrund, um, but it's really about the ungrounding, but the idea of the, the collage universe being a universe in collision. So while the pavilion is built... It's a structure. It obviously has a foundation. 
a part of that foundation is, is really fundamentally and intentionally unstable because it's built on collage principles. And the whole notion of my lecture and this late understanding that I've, that I've come to about general ideas work is that it's all in flux because it's a collage method. So everything is changing. Every, every, a, a bo- the borderlines exist everywhere in the work, between, between, in, in any one image, between works. It's, it's there in all the work, and it's always this temporary conjunction that gives the illusion of stability, but it's only uh, something temporary, which then falls apart and gets recycled in other sorts of relationships. So I think it's fundamental to the work, um, but it's about a fundamental uh, ungrounding of, of the work. Thank you. Now, I don't think this, this, is, this is my interpretation. But I think, uh, I mean, I, 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 ha- I sent it to, to AA, and uh, um, he thought it was fundamentally true <laughs> and groundbreaking. I believe you. Thank you. Uh, you had a list of five points. Yes. And if it would, be, would it be possible to find that slide again and uh, say a little bit more about is this your analysis or... Are you borrowing from another source? There they were. Um, what I generally do in my writing is I try to find the operative concepts and the oper- operational processes by which a work functions. So it's a very it's a very formal, structural approach, so to speak. Um, but I'm also um, limiting myself to the period of the work and the intellectual framework of the period of the work. Um, so I, so I, I do try to find uh, the regulating concepts, and I've done this before, um, and it was a challenge to do it with general idea, and I, and I wanted to find the, the, the basic operational concepts if I could, um, because it's not what they say. I mean, what they say about their work, and their work's all about articulation, it's all, it's all said in the work, um, but um, what, um, so the, their third order system is not that form of analysis of their work. So I, so I couldn't do like a fourth order semiological analysis of the work. I had to go sort of behind the scenes, where there is no behind the scenes in generalizers' work, and try to discover the, the concepts. The concepts are one of the operations, the techniques, one of the strategies, and the tactics. There, there are a number of concepts, because uh, myth is obviously a concept. And is it a different concept because they call is glamour different because they call it a glamour myth? Um, but the borderline is a concept, and, and um, nostalgia is is a concept. But myth and glamour are primary concepts. You have to take my word for it now. But and uh, nostalgia and borderlines are secondary concepts. Um, nostalgia joins the two concepts together, uh, myth and glamour, and the borderline divides it. So the borderline is this. Um, engendering of, of, of concepts at the same time. And reversibility, there's like theft. I mean, there are a number of operations. Plagiarism is a major operation. The stealing in, the stealing out, the elevation of, of, uh, of misgenerated idea, the erection of the villain, the focusing in, the show cards, all the, all the emphasis on, on vision, focusing, miniaturizing. Those are the, the rituals of the pavilion, of, of the pageant. Those are operations, background operations. Um, but there is one, one, key, one main operation, uh, reversibility, that encompasses them all. And it's the same with, uh, same with the others, although the concept and the operations are much more uh, uh, deal with the framework of the pavilion more than the individual uh, actions like the techniques 
cut up, it's a collage. There are two elements. There's the mirror insertions, there's the cut up. Those are the basic techniques of their work. And their, their only strategy, glamorous theft. That's the aim, is theft. And then the, their tactic in doing this is the invisibility of the borderline, operating the invisibility of the borderline through disguise and theft. So all, those, all the aspects of deception, disguise, and camouflage are ways of elevating glamour, playing with, playing with glamour. So I believe, you know, I tried to come up with, a, with this conceptual structure, and, and I, believe, I believe it's in the work. And then I've tried to do that in different ways with their different, different types of writing so that articles have a concept plus uh, have a technique, a verbal technique plus a regulating concept. The show cards, the editorials, um, the pageant, the story. So I try, I'm trying to break, it, break all the elements of the work down and have it make sense. And lo and behold, this is a very complex body of work that all makes sense. Every, everything that they say in their work is, is related to everything else. Every term is related somehow within this double system of word lines um, modifying sight lines. It's a very complex system, and I think, I think it makes sense, and hope you'll read my book if it's eventually published, because like myth, it never ends. It's part, part of the problem. You've realized the complexity of it. It's easier for them to state it, because their work was all in the saying, but to explain that process... It's, it's a bit more difficult. Thanks, Philip, for a very thoughtful analysis. Um, I'm going to ask my question first, but I'm going to try to describe what I mean by this question. My question is, what do you think happened in 1975? And what I mean by that um, is, if I understand your presentation today correctly... Uh, you said that um, until 75, there's this interest in the mirror. Uh, and after 75, there's this interest in, in the, the menage a trois, right? So from two to three. Um, and I think you, it was very interesting how you ended your discussion by saying that the mirror is actually not exactly two. The mirror is actually like a lidoscope, right? Like as soon as you see the mirror in their work... It's tempting to think, it, to think of it as a, a kind of presence representation, a kind of one and two. But in fact, what happens with the mirror is that you get a, a, a correspondence network, right? You get a, a, a system of cross-references going off into infinity, uh, which is what the mail art network was all about. And that dream of the collective being this kind of eternal network without center. Um, and you describe that this movement to the three after 75 is actually the reemergence of the author, which I actually think is a very interesting observation on your part. Um, so, so this is kind of a disavowal of the dream of the eternal network uh, and an emphasis on a new kind of author. In this case, it's still a collective, but it's a collective of three rather than a kind of uh, invisible network of artists working together. So I, so I go back to my question, what do you think happened in 75 uh, that m caused General Idea to move away from the mail art network into this new kind of authorship production? Okay. Um, 
you know, one th interesting thing about the, the mirror, the mirror, this system continues in, in the work, the collage construction basic system. The, the, mirror, the mirror isn't absent. I mean, the mirror is always invisible, and the mirror is invisible in this exhibition. Like, there's nothing about the mirror in this exhibition. This fundamental part of General Electric's work is, is absent. So the mirror is, all, is always there all the way through as an operational principle and te 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 technique. Um, and it's division. It, it divides something that's single. Like the mirror image, it's a division. It divides the image, but it's like one, 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 one. So like it grows out there. So in effect, the mirror is the correspondence system, the division of, of images into the sort of serial identity. Um, and the way the way I'm writing this, uh, I'm writing it in the past um, as an exercise. I'm writing it in the 19. I'm writing it in the 1970s. So I'm not bringing any other. Um, other than what AA, AA, sorry, AA has written uh, since then. I I'm not bringing any other idea, any other theory. And it's also not a historical approach because it's a structural study. So as in the period, it, was not in, it, was not, it didn't deal with genesis and history. It dealt with structure. Um, so I look at what, where th these things operationally change within the work, structurally and formally. And that some something seemed to happen there, which which I'm I'm talking about here. However, uh, they did begin to consolidate themselves. They, they were this loose group, and that wasn't necessarily every. There were some other people that in that photograph that weren't part of that sort of commune uh, collective at at the beginning. Uh, but in 1975, they do talk about that they had to uh, brand themselves. Mm. That was important for them to brand themselves to because people. Um, you know, we're very confused who they were, where they lived, where the image bank, where they live in Vancouver, uh, and and it was necessary for them to consolidate. They were always the core group, but it was necessary to consolidate, and that's when the whole idea of the portrait came up. So they had to produce the story. This is the story of general idea. Who are general idea? Well, this is the story of general idea and the role that glamour played. In. So they had to consolidate themselves into this trio, and. Uh, become architects, and the whole business model um, came up then at that point. The trio, the corporate trio, the show cards, the building of the pavilion. The pavilion was already existent, and it was a, a correspondence move, movement uh, endeavor. It was to be built by uh, submission by the correspondence movement, but then it just became general ideas. Mm -hmm. so, so what happened in 1975 is that what was a more collective dream became much more specifically focused as general ideas enterprise that they controlled. And there's also that shift in, in file magazine at the same time. It becomes more of a, a model. It becomes more, more of uh, general ideas projects mm -hmm. rather than necessarily the, the balance that they had before or, or even they were absent in earlier issues. But why do you think that happened? Um, they, had, they had to... Uh, um, I don't know, market changes. They had to establish themselves as markets. They were starting to show at the Carmel Manor Gallery and commercial mean, situations and, and making uh, breaches in, into Europe. They had to have an artistic identity. Mm -hmm. And they fa fabricated a very dense artistic identity. Yeah, I've always found this question perplexing. You know, in 1974, you had the Decadence, which was the pageant, if you will, of the Correspondence Art Network. And then immediately after that, 
general idea seems to have turned away from that. And, and I've always wondered why. I mean, I, maybe we should continue this discussion. Yeah, I think you actually yeah. have to ask, uh, uh, yeah. because that's not the sort of yeah. knowledge I have. Um, yeah, thank you. But, I mean, I've, I mean in, in relation to that, something's very interesting. If you read very closely, and I've become, of course, a closer reader of uh, File magazine and all their other writing, and, uh, in, and some things I'd never seen before. Um, in the, the punk, so like the punk till you puke uh, issue is obviously very important. There's a whole change, change in tone in general idea. Um, they become much more aggressive, hardcore Marxist theoreticians. The work is much more about sexual transgression. Uh, it was anti-patriarchal under the influence of Andy Oedipus. But they, the, that editorial ends with, and everything in general idea is coded. So you have to read the code words. Um, they dismiss their whole practice. They ridicule their whole practice in, in, at the end of that. They talk about this surrealist, this surrealist vision, uh, almost immature, juvenile surrealism of, of, of their past work, which is the whole correspondence art movement. And then there's also, in, uh, in the next editorial, there's, there's much, uh, some of the same thing, talking about the no, 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 I mean, it's like punk, no, no, nostalgia which is the nostalgia. I mean, the whole nostalgia is just another code word for camp, but also a very important word. Uh, the relationship between nostalgia and narcissism is this whole vision relationship of the mirror, and this, which is another early t terminology for the whole system itself. The whole system itself is, is implicated in, those, in the relationship between those two words, narcissism and, and nostalgia. So when they say, no, 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 nostalgia... They are again ridiculing the system. So in 1977, they destroyed the pavilion, um, not for these particular reasons. I think they just got bored by it, destroyed it, and realized, oh, well, it's, it's implicated within the structure of the composition, decomposition, creation, destruction of, of, of the system. But then at some point, they became, uh, they became much more uh, aggressive in rejecting their path, past and moving on to something else. Also moving from... Uh, the Mondo Art European art world. They sort of rejected Canada in a, in a, in a sense and moved on. It rejected Canada, and this is a, not a negative criticism, they rejected Canada in terms of that sort of McLuhanistic vision, collective vision of some C to C, uh, of this collective non-individual enterprise and got involved in both the New York and the European art scene. So getting involved in New York, I think, also made them become much more aggressive in their in uh, the tone, the language that they began to use talking about themselves in their past. Any more questions? Am I missing any hands? I don't think so. In which case, I would like to thank you very much indeed for such a thoughtful talk. And I'm delighted to say that we recorded this and it will be podcast from our website. It takes about a week to to come up. And uh, thank you also for the, the great questions and the great answers to the questions. So. Just, just before you all disappear, I'd like to tell you tomorrow night we have more on the sort of the media theme. We have Fred Richin, who is Professor of Photography and Imaging at New York University's Tisch School. Um, and he was, is going to talk about 
the relevance of digital media and how it's changing us. Next Wednesday, we have a panel for more general idea. We have the general idea about general idea panel with Sholem Krishtalka, uh, who's here in the audience. Hello, Sholem. And Greg Bordowitz and Virginia Solomon, and that promises to be a really interesting evening. And then we have something we haven't promoted yet, and that's December 7th. Annette Mangard made a documentary about general idea, and that'll be a free screening here. So that's not promoted anywhere yet. We just fixed that. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. For additional recordings, as well as information on upcoming programming and events, please visit us online at ago.net slash talks.